All right, let's get everybody in here first. I'm not getting anything on Facebook yet, are you? Yes, we are live on Facebook. I'm not seeing anything yet saying that we're live. Yep, we, we are. I feel you, but usually it pops up, right? It's popped up. <laughs> I yeah, I don't get it. I, I got other pages I follow too, and the same thing happens. Like, I don't get the alerts. Yep. Yeah, we're yeah. live. All right, so I'm going to share this out. I wish I could share this to a group. All right, so I shared that out. I don't think anyone else, nobody's watching yet, so we're good. I'm going to share it out to there. And I'll do it to my personal. All right, ready? Yep. I'll share it out. So, all right, everybody, welcome to Security Squawk Podcast. What episode are we at now, Andre? Eight. I want to say eight. Eight. Um, episode eight or nine? I forget. But we've missed a couple weeks. My man Andre was out sick. Yeah, so yep. we're on episode nine. We posted episode eight on January 28th. Okay. So episode nine, and wow, it's the 18th of the month. It's our first podcast episode in February. I wasn't able to record by myself, and I don't know how interesting that would be anyway, to be honest with you. Um, but, um, you know, you were sick, and things, first off, let's, how did things go in the office from a business standpoint? Um, we are that we are a business podcast first before cybersecurity. So tell us about how you thought things went in your business while you were ill. Um, I thought it went very well. So I got COVID um, probably around January the 31st and um, and it just like like it just punched me down. Like I was out. I'm somebody who likes to work always you know hardly take days off and things like that and um i had enough strength to put my out of out of office reply and basically tell everybody you know look if you if it's sales related go to this person projects this person billing this person so i kind of laid it all out and i uh did do not disturb on my cell phone and and that's it i, I left my cell phone alone i didn't check my emails or team and um, the it went it went very well because uh, my assistant she has access to my emails uh, via shared uh, via shared mailbox, and she was able to um, any emails that came in she responded uh, for me on my behalf she forwarded them to whoever needed to for it to happen she did all the quotes for me so um, it was really good because I realized that I could at a moment's notice 
if I needed to be out of the office um, at, at a notice moment, the, the business will still be able to run itself without me. That's so I, I was very proud of my team for that. That's good. That's good. And the symptoms from COVID, are you 100% recovered at this point or? Yes, I tested twice, so I don't have it anymore. Um, once in a while I'm coughing, but other than that, um, but uh, other than that, I'm good. But it was really bad. Like it literally, you know, the Lord put me on my my backside for about two weeks, and um, and it was like wow. It's like one day you think you're the top of the world. It's you know, it's the end of the month. You hit all your goals, and you're like the you know the best thing since sliced bread. And then you realize like, hey, look, <laughs> your health matters first. So luckily, yeah. my wife was able to take care of me. And did you lose uh, taste and smell? Yeah. 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 Is it back now? Yeah, it's back. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Cool. I hate that. I know I've I've been sick enough where that's happened to me with like colds and stuff. So mm-hmm. so yeah, I'm glad you're better, man. It sucked at not having you. So, you know, obviously if I, I don't have my wingman, I'm not gonna do podcasts apparently. Because wow. uh you know, but hopefully we can get to the point where we can get interviews and, and other people mm-hmm. are coming. So when things like that do happen, we don't we don't skip a beat because, you know, our last episode, episode eight, was the the most downloaded episode yet um, by far. Like so, you know, we are picking up traction, and you know, we do have eight other episodes, and you know, we pretty much go an hour every episode, so we got eight hours of content out there already for people to go back and listen to. Uh, so it's. You know, at the end of the day, it's not the end of the world when when we miss. Um, so, but I am I am absolutely thrilled. You're back. You're back in action. Um, you know, and we we can spread the word and continue our mission here on on the podcast of helping business owners become more cyber aware. So, um, if anybody does uh, listen to this episode or watch us on YouTube or Facebook. Um, Share us out on your feed. Just click share right now and help us spread the word about what we're doing here. Um, It's very easy. It takes like two, two, maybe three clicks um, to just share us out on your social media and let other people in your feed uh, see this. And that's the only the only real thing that we ask of our audience. We put this together for free. Andre and I take time out of our day, our busy day. Um, to try to help people understand um, not only where we are today, but what the heck is coming down the road. Because I think a lot of people are about to get punched in the face when it comes to their technology and their security. Um, And we are doing our best to try to warn everyone that you need to do this stuff. Um, But quite frankly, the punch in the face is coming and a lot of people are going to get punched in the face. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just inevitable. You see, it's kind of like I see the wave coming of, you know, hackers and cyber criminals versus the rest of the world. And the rest of the world is completely has their head buried in the sand around this stuff. Um, you know, the vast majority of people, you know, there are certainly people who pay attention to this stuff um, and there are CEOs who are responsible around this stuff. But we live in a world right now where everything seems to happen after the event, right? Mm-hmm. Kids in the in the midst of a cyber attack, they've been hit with ransomware. They've been out for since Saturday. We are now Thursday. 
two days from now will be seven days. Kia is, is going to get smacked around left and right on this. And they and we're going to find out, just like we find out with every, you know, I, I can sit here and say this right now with 1,000% confidence that we will find out that Kia was not investing enough in cybersecurity. They were not spending enough money. They were not putting enough resources for the size of company that they are and the amount of revenue that they bring in and the amount of dealerships that they have all over the world, you're going to find out that they were not contributing enough to the cybersecurity pot like they should have, and they just got burnt. And you, you people are going to say, you know, or could say to me, well, Brian, how do you know that th that's going to happen? How do you know they didn't have really good cybersecurity? It wasn't a, like a sophisticated attack. The reality of it is, is that Solar Winds was labeled a sophisticated attack, but here we are two months later, and now we're finding out it wasn't as sophisticated as everyone thought. What was sophisticated were these guys not setting off the obvious tripwires, but there were signs all over the place that these guys were in the network, and those signs weren't picked up, and nobody acted upon them. And it took, it literally took a dude at FireEye to pick up on the fact that somebody registered another mobile device on an employee's account. And that's what triggered this whole thing. Mm -hmm. the, the criminals tried to register a cell phone onto FireEye's two-factor authentication platform. And when that happened, the security guy in charge of that called the employee and said, did you just add another cell phone to your 2FA? And he said, no, he did it. And that's what triggered FireEye to start the investigation, which led them to solar winds. Mm. So, you know, the, these, the, this is how things happen though. This is why we have layers of security because, you know, it wasn't some genius, you know, network admin who saw a bunch of traffic and zeroed in on it and was like, there's something weird going on here. It just happened that they set off a tripwire. Literally, the criminal set off a tripwire. They, they, you know, they had an alert in place that said, if a, a new device gets registered, we want to know about it. And then they followed up on it, which is a good thing. And then after they followed up on it, they found out that, you know, their network has been under attack for many, many months. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's, you know, th those are the things that are going on out in the world right now and why we want to, you know, do this podcast because, you don't want to end up like these companies. And we're here to tell you today that these things are pr totally preventable. Um, you know, we're dealing with here in, in our area, in the Philadelphia area, we're dealing with our third snowstorm in about two weeks. Um, <clears throat> you know, we don't shut down like the rest of the country. We, you know, we're in the Northeast, so we can handle snow. Today's storm wasn't that bad. Um, you know, it was the timing of it that's, that really made the issue because we couldn't travel to work because it was literally that was the worst period of storm. Now that it's almost three o'clock in the afternoon, the roads are getting cleared by the plows. And by five o'clock, you're going to be able to, you know, to, to drive normal speeds on the roads around here again. Um, you know, but you look you look at a state like Texas and, you know, they get a nice storm once in 25 years. And their whole state shut down right now. <laughs> so, 
Um, you know, it's you know it's important that CEOs think about business continuity and a real business continuity plan um, should be one of those things that is a living and breathing document. And what I mean by that is the first time you, the first lap around with your business continuity plan, you're, you're not going to get it right the first time, but it's important that you get it done. It doesn't have to be perfect. And then over the years, you, you sit down, you analyze the plan and you realize you know, nobody thinks about COVID before COVID hit. Nobody thinks about an ice storm in South Texas until an ice storm in South Texas happens and shuts down the whole power grid in the state of Texas. When you learn about these things and they become aware and blind spots become re revealed to you, you realize as a business owner that you didn't figure this out and now you have a blind spot. That's just an opportunity it's not a failure of management. It's not a failure of leadership. It's an opportunity for you to course correct and build that into your disaster recovery plan. And that's how you improve it over time. I think a lot of people have this misconception that you build a disaster recovery plan and then you throw it away. Mm -hmm. and, and that's not, you know, that's not it. You know, you need to on an annual basis at a minimum, sit down with all the decision makers in your company and review the practicality behind the plan that you have and adjust. Um, and that's what you're gonna see a lot of businesses in Texas do. You're gonna see a lot of businesses around the country do as they learn from Texas, you know? Anybody on the Southern, you know, border or coast, um, as Lisa, our friend Lisa here says, or flooding, freeways flooding in Phoenix, right? I don't think Phoenix is ever going to have to worry about ice, but when a big storm rolls through, um, you have to worry about uh, the flooding and on YouTube or Facebook. Um, share us out. Uh, you're uh, giving me feedback here, brother. Sorry, I'm looking at Lisa's comment. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, so yeah, I mean, and they have the dust storms out there, but you know, I don't know how how much they can uh, affect the uh, the power grid and and those types of things. I don't know environmentally what that can take down. I'm not uh, I'm not too too uh, familiar with those types of storms, but any type of you know natural disaster, hackers, internal you know insider threats are all things that need to be considered as as part of your analysis and your business continuity plan so, so let me ask you a question with that brian because i mean if you are a business in texas listening now then yep. it, it's happened already so how do you actually prepare your business in the future that if the power company at texas can't operate like so how what do you do do you are you hiring people now in other states just in case? Like, what are you, what are you actually doing to make your business continue I mean, there's a lot of different options you can do today. You know, if you're talking about just from a technology standpoint, um, you know, there's a lot of different ways you can do that. And and if, if a business is following a cybersecurity framework like NIST, this is all built into NIST. These are the things that NIST makes you analyze within your business. Like, how are you going to operate if you have no power? Do you have a generator? Do you have some kind of backup power source that you can 
power yourself, you know, for a period of time. And then what is that period of time? Is it hours, days, weeks? Um, and that's all things that need to be evaluated. And if you use a framework like NIST, it will guide you through making these decisions and, and, and putting timelines to things. And then the answers to your, to your problem or the answers to how long can I run, you know, on a generator, those answers come from how critical your business is. So you, you know, it's a, it's a, it's an approach of evaluating the assets or the infrastructure or software or hardware in your business and how long you can live without them. Now, all technology needs electricity to work. So if you don't have electricity or you're not getting it from your normal source, which is your power grid, you need to have a backup plan. And what is that backup plan? It could be a lot of different things. It could be generators. It could be um, warm sites, hot sites that are in a different geographic location. There's a lot of different things that you can do and put in place, um, but you have to do that ahead of time. You can't do it now. Um, so, you you know, if you're in the event today, you're just, you know, you have a notebook and you're writing down lessons learned. And then when you go into planning, you're going to plan for these things that you learned in this uh, in this event. Um, and and one of the things I can give an example of is in Florida, right? A lot of companies and a lot of IT companies would recommend a cellular backup in mm -hmm in your firewall or in your network so that if your Comcast or your, your cable internet or your Verizon or whatever internet you have goes down in a hurricane, you have this cellular backup. Now, you live in Florida. You've been through hurricanes. What's the last service to come up after a hurricane? After a hurricane is power. Power. <laughs> Power and then, and then. Yeah. Well, yeah, you have the power, you have internet. And your cellular service is usually the last thing to come back up. Yeah, because at that point, the the LTE and 4G is dead because everybody's using it. So right. it's, it's going to like 2G or, you know, something yeah. very. Or not. In most, in my, from my experience in Florida, after hurricane hits, forget it. For mm -hmm. cellular service. So if cellular backup was your backup plan for internet, you you found out after her uh, you know I forget what hurricane rolled through South Florida maybe like three years ago, but that was a big lessons learned out of that massive hurricane that rolled through. Was that you know all these companies that had cellular backups it didn't matter because that was the their their cable internet or their primary internet source was back up before the cellular was even back up. Mm -hmm. So cellular internet that you know you. Going into planning before you go through an event, you think, oh, well, we have cellular backup in case the Comcast goes down. Well, you know, that didn't that didn't pan out. So lessons learned and there were so, you know, there's take these opportunities to identify and be aware of things and write these things down as you go through these events. So when you sit down to plan, you'll have better intelligence into, you know, how things really happened on the ground and it'll allow you to make better decisions in your planning process. So, you know, you can go to the cloud, you know, that's an obvious thing. You can move to the cloud, like we talked about before we hit record on the show. 
and you know, you, I, I, do you have clients in the cloud? Yeah, yeah. So, so I mean, you know, why don't you educate our audience a little bit on why moving the infrastructure from the office to the cloud and relate it to what's going on in Texas? Why, why that should be a consideration? And when, you know, a lot of pushback that we get when we try to sell cloud is that that's way too expensive. Well, you know, if you're not running redundancy, if you're not, if you don't have all these things that a cloud environment will have built into it, you're not comparing apples to apples. So, you know, educate our audience a little bit about cloud and why cloud can really pay off when you're looking at things like Texas. Right. So I'm going to start with the basics, which is, and, and I think for the most part, you still have a lot of people that have physical email servers in their office, but I think for the most part, more people are relying more on uh, on cloud emails. So the first thing, but even if, if I would say even if it was like three, four years ago, is that you had people with email servers still physically at their location. We actually just inherited one client that has 30, 30 emails and it's an email server. Well, you know, as we mentioned, if power goes off, if internet goes off, what's going to happen is someone's going to send an email and the servers are going to try to um, look for that local email server. And because it's it's off, it's going to bounce back. So um, that's that. So then you also have your files. So you may have a file server where you have everybody uh, remote. Maybe they're VPNing into your office to be able to access the file server. It's the same thing. Um, once you lose internet or you um, lose power, then people can't VPN into the office and therefore they can't they can't continue to work. And then if you have um, a database, some type of as basic as QuickBooks or something specific to your industry, and you have that um, database or that application that's on the computer, again, same thing, no power, no internet, then your business is out. So that's like, it's, if you think about it, that's like a single point of failure because if that goes down, then that's it. Like all of your, your staff can't work. So we've helped migrate our clients. Um, we, for example, with the emails, everybody's going to exchange, Microsoft Exchange for the files. Um, sometimes you can do a hybrid um, depending on you know the type of business. And then um, for, the, for the databases, um, we try to encourage our clients, if you're using an application and now they're offering you their web-based software, uh, Rent Cafe or QuickBooks Cloud or whatever the case is, go for that. Pay the subscription and go for that. And let's kind of leave the the hassle of maintaining that database locally and just let them let them go for it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and like a lot of things get missed by uh, business owners who you know, and, and rightfully so. There, you don't expect them to be IT experts. But a lot of when you're when you're buying cloud services and you're and you're looking to determine whether or not it's a good investment versus you know buying the equipment and doing it kind of the old school way, which was you know hosting it in your own office or what have you. A lot of times you're buying lesser grade equipment. You know, when you buy servers, there are, you know, different levels of quality 
an enterprise grade level server is not going to be the same thing as a SMB uh, type server. And, you know, you cannot compare a server that's built for the SMB to a server that's sitting in Amazon or, or mm -hmm. Azure or Google Cloud. They are enterprise level servers probably run very, very good hardware with very, very good SSDs. Um, you know, you're talking, you know, 50, 30, 40, $50,000 servers, you know, that these things are, that's how much they cost to build them. Um, plus the infrastructure, the cabling, the, the network devices are far superior than anything you're going to put in, you know, a business that has less than 500 employees. Um, you know, on top of that, heating, cooling, you know, power, that's all redundant in these facilities. Most of these facilities are SOC certified. Um, you know, they can run without grid power for an extended period of time. Um, Amazon, I think, most of their data centers can run for about two weeks without, you know, on their own power. Um, so in the event that there's a disaster, plus the way that Amazon built their infrastructure, they can quickly move VMs from one data center to another um, in the event that something happens. Mm -hmm. So as minor as the internet going down at one location or as, as, as big as, you know, you know, a, a nuclear bomb hitting the East Coast of the United States, they have the ability to still, you know, be redundant. And, you know, that's important. You know, you're, you're not going to get that yourself unless you invest a lot of money and it's going to cost a lot more than what it would cost to rent space from like an AWS environment or an Azure environment. Yeah. So, um, those, are, those are the realities of cloud when it comes to buying it that I think a lot of business owners miss. They just look at the bottom number and say, that's more expensive than that. We're staying with that. So, you know, so let's jump into some, uh, some topics. We did touch on a little bit of solar winds and Kia and unfortunately Kia is under, under a major attack, but while you were out, we had, um, we had some interesting things going on in your home state. Yeah. I want to talk about, um, and let's pull that up here. There we go. So our friend Bet Brett Bear there over at Fox News, they got this story. Um, obviously, like we talked about, after a cyber attack, things get attention, right? The budget mm -hmm. gets attention. People actually do cybersecurity the right way. And of course, uh, our lovely government is always reactive as it is when something happens. Senators and, and Congress people act like they give it a crap and they decide to do things like this. So why don't you tell us a give us a little background on what happened with the where was this in Florida? Kind of give our audience an idea of where in the state this was um and then talk tell us what actually happened and then let's talk about what the senators want to do um yeah. so where where in florida was this so this is a um, city called Oldsmar, and it's about 13 miles um from tampa florida so it's 13 miles is it's north or south of tampa 
I believe it's South. It's South. Okay. I think that's where my parents live. Great. Yeah, it's South. It is South of Tampa, yes. So I've been to this area. I would it's not like Miami. Let's put it that way. Is yeah. my am I fair in that assessment? Yeah, yeah. It's like almost like this is considered the country for Florida, right? Yeah, that's one of the countries. Yeah, it's about 25 minutes from Tampa, and yeah, you're in the boondocks. Yeah, exactly. Okay, I'm, I, I thought I, I thought I was kind of right with my assessment there. So, um, so what happened? What, what the heck happened here? And tell, let's let our audience know what happened, and then we'll jump into uh, why Mark Warner wants to get involved. Sure. So we're going to introduce a new term to our audience, and it's called disruptionware, not to be confused with ransomware. Ransomware is usually designed to uh, block access to files. Uh, but now we have something which is called uh, disruptionware, and it's defined by um, essentially suspending operations within a victim's organization through the compromise of availability, integrity, and confidentiality of the system's network and data belonging to the target. So in layman's, layman's English term, um, disruption where in this case, you had a water treatment facility and they had a, a program, which is a very legit and, and you know um, respected application. It's called TeamViewer. And TeamViewer allows, um, allows you to be able to remote into your computer. So um, you may even have had your IT guy where they, they're, they're trying to get into your computer and they may just say, you know what, just go to teamviewer.com, download that application so that I can quickly get into your computer. So in this case, you had a um, operator of the water treatment facility and he's probably sitting there drinking his coffee and all of a sudden he starts to see the mouse move of one of the uh, critical uh, computers that manages the water. And he's looking at the mouse moving and think of it as like a, a little arrow button where you can go up, up, up. And what's going up, up, up is the uh, um, amount of sodium hydroxide that's going to the water. So basically, someone is increasing the sodium hydroxide of the city's water. And he sees this, he's freaking out, um, probably calling a supervisor like, hey, what the hell is happening? What the heck is happening? Maybe they disconnect the computer after that. Um, but essentially, someone was trying to disrupt the water supply because if you put that much um, amount of uh, hydroxide into the water, you can essentially um, poison or kill um, people. So this was a huge, huge attack. Yeah, it's so. Were they were were they trying to? Um, Gate, like it doesn't seem to me like they were trying to get any money or anything like that from right right and that's why they called it disruptionware because they were more trying to disrupt rather than to do the ransomware which is when they go after the money right so i i just don't understand what the motivation is behind this and what they were actually trying to do so it doesn't make a lot of sense to me unless it was, you know, it was just somebody trying to prove that they, they can do this. Mm -hmm. uh, um, but the, uh, the other interesting thing about this is what I know about it is that um, obviously the team viewer is an issue, you know, there's two things there. Um, 
TeamViewer shouldn't be on any system, in my opinion. Right. I, I think I've said that before. Um, but the other issue is, is there are ways you can manage what's deployed in your environment. There's there's ways that you can easily scan for and look for certain types of software. Um, you know, we have we have a tool that as soon as we deploy it, it looks for certain types of software. If it sees it, it removes it. And we've built those rules into this tool that we deploy. And, you know, if we get a new client who's been, you know, not a new business, but a new client who's been around for a while, they, you know, had their own IT or they work with another company, we're coming in taking over somebody else's setup. You know, they built that house, we didn't. So we, you know, we got to come in and evaluate. And that's what we do. We come in, we evaluate the software that's been deployed and anything we don't like, we remove it. And mm -hmm. that's what needs to happen constantly because things can show up at any point in time. There are remote access programs, TeamViewer being one of them. You don't need admin rights for these things to run. It runs under the local user account. Now, somebody may be able to remote in and see your screen, but they may not be able to take control unless you have admin rights. But it, it still, I mean, this particular incident with TeamViewer, it was installed for remote access purposes. Other thing I wanted to mention about this is it's believed or it's been reported that the, the, these were weak passwords that were used that were out on the dark web. That that's how they got into the TeamViewer account in the first place to get control of these systems. So, you know, this is the importance of, of making sure that you're you know what accounts you have out there if somebody in your company at one point in time created a team viewer account and you just don't use team viewer anymore but you still have an account over there that might have computers attached to it still you might want to go in and change that password you know because you know i it doesn't take very long for a password that you're using today especially if you're using it across multiple sites for it to show up on the dark web because so many sites are being hacked left and right and this information is being freely shared so you know not only do you have this issue in the first place but you have an issue with the the password reuse and then you have the issue with software being on computers that shouldn't be there all of which is very easily preventable you know if you're doing this stuff the right way and you have somebody who knows how to manage this stuff and knows what to do um, and is actually paying attention to, you know, what they're doing in their job and what their responsibility is. So, um, you know, it's a shame this could, have, this could have been really bad, which is why I guess we have, you know, the intelligence chairman, Mark Warner, wanting the FBI and the EPA to get involved and find out what happened here. So what's going on with this? I mean, it's pretty clear what happened. And and, and there's some other reports that saying that this water treatment facility, TeamViewer was a standard software and supervisors would remote into, the com into that computer to, I guess, help whoever's there, or maybe it's two o'clock in the morning, they need to check something. So um, essentially they did move away from TeamViewer about six months ago but nobody uh, decided to uninstall it. 
and then um, or or maybe someone installed it afterwards. Who knows? So yeah. So basically, the um, U.S. government, uh, excuse me, the Chairman um, Intelligence Committee Chair, he uh, wants it fully investigated and make sure it's not you know um, a, 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 a third party, a third world country or or another country trying to um, maybe see the vulnerabilities of of the of this particular place and see how it how it um, can happen again so just another investigation millions are going to spe be spent into um how it happened and then from there they're going to give a recommendation and unfortunately most places are going to ignore it yeah and you know you got weak so you know you look at all the all the points from a from a cybersecurity analyst perspective, you look at all the different breakdowns, right? You you have a breakdown, first off, in the software that's installed. I mean, you know what, quite frankly, I you don't need to have the FBI do a major investigation. We have enough information in the public to already figure out what the hell went wrong. Right. You have, you have software that really isn't, you know, it's frowned upon in our industry to use TeamViewer. TeamViewer, you know, for me, is for amateurs. Right, you have weak passwords being used because the information's out on the dark web. They're able to log into the Team Viewer account and then get access to these computers that apparently that their IT, you know, the guy admitted that their IT uses to remote in and do maintenance. And having your mouse and keyboard move around randomly, so during certain times of the day, is something that they're used to because that's what their IT does. Well, that's a problem right there too, like. And number three, two-factor authentication would have prevented all this. You know what I mean? Like assuming that the computer would have been locked when the individual remoted in, even if they knew the password to the computer and logged into it, they would have been presented with a two-factor and that would have stopped them. And, you know, the, so these are all the things. Critical systems like this should absolutely have two-factor authentication on the Windows login enabled. And I would even go to the uh, sense that the actual application locks out. I mean, I'm sure it's not a web-based application, yeah. but something where the application, after five minutes of idle, you have to log up. It logs it out. You know? Or you're right. I mean, you're talking about the Team Viewer credentials, the Windows credentials, the software that manages the the water system and the chemicals that go in the water water system. I would hope that that has a password on it. And I would hope that that has its own two-factor authentication built into it. You know, it sounds like, you know, and this is what we're talking about when we're saying entities don't put enough money into cybersecurity. It wouldn't take a whole heck of a lot for them to hire an analyst to come in and figure out where the gaps are in their security. And then they can start, you know, doing it. But companies and organizations just decide, eh, we're not going to do it. You know, just like they decide, like, we're not going to do employee reviews because it's not that important to us. Mm -hmm. Every well-run company that I know does regular employee reviews. The ones that suck don't, and they don't value it, and they don't see it. And that's, you know, that's the culture that we need to develop in business is that this stuff is just as important as sales, as HR, and as operations. Mm -hmm. Like, you need to add IT as part of the four core pillars in your C-suite or in your decision-making, you know, if you're a sole business owner or you're just a small company, 
those four things need to be paramount in your business. And if you're not adding IT and you just treat it as like the thing over here that I just throw money at because I have to, you're going to be one of those dudes that gets punched in the face that I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast. So, so, you know, um, I think that's about it on this. We got anything else we want to cover? Um, I don't see anything else in here. Interesting. Um, it, yeah, quite frankly, the FBI doesn't have to do an investigation. I just did your investigation for you. Um, save the money. Go listen to this podcast, Mark Warner. You'll you'll need to know. You'll get to know everything you need to know there. But it's pretty obvious. And, and that just goes back to where, like, because I know everything is municipalities and cities and counties and things like that. But that just goes back to standards. Like, you got to have standards. Then. And, I mean, if they had standards. Whose fault is that? When a company doesn't have standards, whose fault is that? Right. Where is it? Who, like, seriously, who, in your opinion, whose fault is it? When a company doesn't have standards? Yeah. Uh, for me, it's going to be the CEO. Yeah, it's the CEO. It's the top yeah. guy. Yeah. CEO sit there and wonder why they're getting fired or have to pay the price when it comes to a cyber attack. Because mm-hmm. you, you didn't hold standards in the company to a level that needed to be held. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, failure of leadership. So yeah. in my opinion. So. And the only difference with this is because it was the government, that's the only reason it was in the news. I can guarantee you if some, if it was a local, you know, 30 employee company and this happened, it would have been swept under the rug. Everybody would have kept their mouth shut and they were going to be like, wow, you know, we just, we just got lucky or something. So it's happening. It's just because this is government, it's being, it ha- you know, some of that has to be public, but had this been other businesses where it is happening, you don't, you're not going to hear about it. So don't just think, oh, it's only happening to governments. They're going after the big fish. That's not the case. It's just the smaller companies don't have to report it or choose not to report it or are just covering it up. I feel you, brother. I agree. And this is, uh, this is the last thing we're going to talk about today as we wrap up the show. And this is the Sutter Boots imaging vulnerability. I wanted to talk about this one because this particular hack is very interesting to me. Number one, it's a supply chain attack. It's this company's IT software had a vulnerability. Now, here's the interesting thing. I'm not aware of too many IT softwares that have vulnerabilities that allow somebody to get command and control of a network or a system. I know of a couple. So unless this company was using SolarWinds, now I don't believe the SolarWinds backdoor existed for 18 months. So I kind of look at this and go, well, it can't be SolarWinds, right? so they had an email hack and, and ransomware and a security incident complete. So basically what happened was um, this, this uh, medical imaging company uh, notified patients that their data had been compromised for 18 months. They expo- exploited a vulnerability in its third-party IT software. The data breach impacted patients who received diagnostic imaging services at SBI. They discovered it in December 2002, but but it started in July of 2019. Hmm. So, you know, I'm reading between the lines here in this article because, yes, it's a third 
a, a third party breach, but it doesn't say whether or not they used an outsourced company or it was just IT software that their own internal employees use to manage things. This has the earmarkings of, of SolarWinds because it's a third party kind of supply chain type of breach. However, I mean, agree with me or disagree with me. I don't believe SolarWinds started in July 19. I know they had access to SolarWinds networks somewhere in 2020. I don't believe they had it as early as 2019. And they definitely didn't deploy the, the actual um, compromised version of the software until the spring of 2020. Yeah. Um, so I, I, don't, I don't know if what the case is here. It smells to me like somebody didn't secure their third-party IT software well enough, and the vulnerability is bad password, password reuse, and lack of multi-factor authentication. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, are you aware of any IT software that has a vulnerability? Or... No, I'm not, no. Yeah, I'm not either. So, I mean... There have been some, they've been patched. So we're either talking about unpatched management software or we're talking about, you know, poor password hygiene coupled with no two-factor authentication. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, this just goes to show you that this is another company that's going to, you know, have a lot to deal with. They're probably going to be HIPAA'd, um, you know, they say that no patient information was was exploited in the attack, but you know, I say it all the time. We're going to find out. You know, right here, here's here's our favorite line: <laughs> no social security numbers, credit cards, diet, right. medical. It's a medical imaging company that got hacked, but no medical images were stolen. Yeah, right. They got and they had ransomware, and they were in there for 19 months. Or is that right? 18 months? 18 months. I don't know. So what do you think about this one? No, no, you said it. Um, it's going to be interesting in six months from now. Uh, probably I give it two months. I don't even I, get six months. No, no. What I'm saying is you're going to like, uh, whatever is the next holiday, they're going to report, they're going to put out a new, dis, you know, new uh, press release saying, hey, we thought it was only 15,000 clients. We thought there was no social security numbers. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be so here's the interesting thing. This is from healthcare IT security, which mm -hmm. is, seems to be like a, a website or blog. And they so they highlight this one. Then they highlight a bunch more. So like the healthcare field is completely under attack. And I mentioned that on my own YouTube channel all the time. Ransomware attack on Granite Wellness Spurs breach notice. Well, why? Because the rants when they got NetWalker in mid January, they stole the data. Mm -hmm. This company up here also got ransomware. Since for the last 12 months, every ransomware attack we've seen, they steal the data first. Like pretty much ransomware is written nowadays where it takes the data and then it encrypts it. And it's absolutely absurd to me that we still see this every, almost every single attack that nothing nothing was stolen. Right. Employee email hack on Grand River Medical Group, same thing. You know, in access to accounts to to email. This is one like like article, one blog post. Four different companies in the yeah. healthcare field that were hacked. 
Spine consultant data breach, Texas spine consultants data breach impacts 25,000 plus patients. You know, they've been no notifying their patients that uh, their data may have been compromised as a result of a security incident in December 2020. So, you know, this stuff is real, folks. I mean, all these are, are four companies. Every week I, I detail my YouTube channel, you know, companies that are getting hit. Companies are getting hit left and right. And uh, the writing's on the wall that, you know, the, the, the tsunami's coming and you will, you will wake up one morning if you're not having these conversations with your IT people and whoever takes care of your IT about security. You're going to wake up one day, walk in the office, find out you have ransomware, and that's going to be a really bad day for you mm -hmm. and, and the beginning of very, very many bad days. Uh, in the future. So, yeah. So, I'm going to wrap up the show. Anything else you would like to add? No, no. No, we're good. Yeah. All right, brother. So, we're wrapping up the show here, folks. Um, please remember if you liked anything you saw today, share out our, our, uh, our video here that we share on YouTube and Facebook. And then we do post this, uh, usually shows up within 24 hours. We do post it on all the major podcast networks, um, Apple. Uh, we're in the Apple Store. We're on Spotify. We're on Google Podcasts, um, iHeartRadio. We're just about anywhere that you can download a podcast. You can find us. It's just a Security Squawk podcast. Type that in. Subscribe to our show there and share that out to your friends on social media. We really appreciate it. And it helps us want to do more content and put stuff out like this. So we hope you all have a good day. Any parting words for, for everyone who's uh, listening, Andre? No, no, we're good. I'm good. All right. Have a good day, everyone. Take care. We'll right. see you next week.